Hi, I'm Louise Goffin, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We are in the studio, tempting fate. Putting questions to the songs, which we will randomly select. Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and I'm hanging out here at Starburns Industries in this fabulous studio with these fabulous cats from the band Kiss Bannock. Hey, how are you? And? Hey! Hey, there they are. That's Rudy and Thomas. And now we are joined on the line from, I think, I'm going to say a point west by a a great singer-songwriter named Quincy Coleman. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Quincy. Thank you, Andra. Now, I met you about a month ago with our with our, our mutual friend, a mutual friend of all of ours, Mike Gormley. Saw you perform mm-hmm. a couple of songs over a delicious brunch in Malibu. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you take any of that home, any of that good food home with you? Or did you just eat it there? I didn't, but I definitely got second. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good. I felt so embarrassed, oh, so though, because they had, they had me, I was new there, so they had me get up and introduce myself, and I talked a little bit on the mic, and then I got, and I was talking to people afterwards, and then I got him, uh, finally got home, or got back to wherever I was going, and I went, saw my, my, uh, reflection in the in the mirror in the my office restroom, and I saw that I had egg all over my shirt. I was like, "No, you didn't." Why didn't someone tell me I got egg no, all over me? No, you didn't. I did, anyway. <laughs> so, well, we are now we we all share a connection. The guys from Kispanic, hmm. myself, and you, in that we are all part of the LAPD. Don't get excited, hmm. folks. We're not. We're not cops, but we are represented by LA Personal Development, and mm. so uh, so that so we're all. I guess it's not like it's. What are, we're not really label mates, but we're on, we're we're roster mates, I guess. Mm-hmm. So and uh, and that was that was how I ended up at the at this brunch where you were where you were performing. Now what are what are you uh, what are you doing musically these days, other than playing at fantastic brunches? <laughs> Yeah, um, I am, you know, I, I took a long break. So um, in the last couple of years, songs just started to kind of write through me again. And then, and I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen with them, um, except that I knew they weren't just for me to sing. 
Um, and then last summer, I got really clear and just kind of gave a big um, yes, energetic yes, to uh, getting back uh, into this, um, on this path. And uh, it's just been awesome. You know, playing shows has, has been really great and getting back into the communities and different communities with different kind of music, you know, the sacred music scene and... Um, and uh, then realize I kind of have a record's worth of, of songs. And um, Mike Gormley uh, introduced me to uh, this producer, guitar player, Steve Postel, who came out to a show of mine um, in February. And uh, I think we're going to make a record. Is that... Uh, have you... Have you written music that, I mean, and some some would say all music is sacred, but I think I know what you mean that like music that is intended. I totally agree with you. Sort by of the way. in a devotional way. What when you think exactly. of sacred music, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good distinction. I think all music is sacred. You're absolutely right, and it is a personal sacred experience, songwriting and and delivering it and all that. Um, but yeah, devotional with with um, you know faith spirituality, consciousness, sort of at the center of it. Um, a handful of my songs, I would say, are like, are like prayers in song. Song form. In the format that we do here, songs all have a sort of a, a sacred element to them in the sense that we're, we're seeking wisdom from the universe and allowing that to come through these randomly chosen songs. Um, mm. And I also think that just songs in general, no matter what they are, that they uh, maybe they're not like prayers, but I feel like they're like spells or or mm. incantations sure. that we are saying, putting these things out into the universe. The and my experience as a songwriter is that whatever that what you have to be careful about what you put out. A lot of times, Absolutely. when I was younger, I spent a lot of time writing my complaints, which is natural. You know, you mm -hmm. there's something you feel like you can't express, whether it's to the to powers that you can never speak to or to people who won't return your phone calls or people who, hmm. whatever. And then you, you go to your art to express whatever totally. you wish you could say to that person or the frustration in not being able to say that. But then you go out there and you... And, you know, you can get yourself into... I worked myself into some knots, personally, that I had yeah. to step away from and detangle. Maybe, is that one of the reasons that you... What was it that led you to step away from music for a while? Really quick, are you a songwriter? Oh, yeah. Yes, very much so. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Put out a bunch of records in the 80s and 90s and actually oh, working cool. to put out a, uh, a record of new material with our buddy Mike this year. Lovely. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hear your music, for sure. Um, and your question was, why did I step away? Yeah. Um, I stepped away not knowing that it was going to be nine years. Yeah. But initially, um, I was diagnosed with, uh, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and, um, which is a form of cancer. And, uh, so, you know, that, that, that made me. Uh, make some different choices and, and um, you know, got me on a different path of basically healing and not wanting, not dying. Um, and 
you know, I continued singing and I actually continued to sing at a at a Hindu temple called the Vedanta Temple in Hollywood. It was like five minutes from my apartment, um, which I had done on and off for many years. Um, and so singing in sacred spaces like this Hindu temple or at a church was just resonating with me. Um, and, and I think really fed into my getting quieter and slowing down, which was a big part of my healing process was getting quieter, um, and listening to the universal truth, you know, within me, that whisper of truth, you know, um, and slowing down, whether it was with my um, eating habits or with my, uh, you know, exercise routine, um, reading more, um, meditating more, just just getting quieter and slowing down in, in, in my lifestyle. And so going at music as a business um, just kind of, it kind of died for me, to be honest with you. Um, I I remember I had uh, gone to Nashville, I think two years into my diagnosis, to check out the music scene, and it was going really well, and I was really kind of honored to be working with different writers and producers, and, you know, the Bluebird was very welcoming, and it was a really great experience, but um, I just knew that... Um, music died for me in Nashville and that I was, I was going through some sort of rebirth or catharsis of some sort. And, um, and eventually realized that music shifted for me from like a business to a service. Um, and that sort of translated externally on the outside by just stepping away a little more consciously but it was also what I'm realizing now, just more of like an internal shift of um, just being more conscious about the music that I write and when I am relaying the song and the message. Oh, and Andras, I also gave birth to twin boys too, four years into the diagnosis. So that was that was something I was I was busy doing too. Is That'll also you know. take up some time. Well, you know, yeah. It'll take up a little time, yeah. But you're doing a, you're doing okay now. So the cool news is is I decided not to do any Western uh, conventional treatment or Western medicine, and um, reverse the 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 cancer reverse without any um, you know conventional treatment. And I'm almost 10 years into the diagnosis and doing great and feeling great. Uh, people often say, am I cancer free? Are you in remission? And I am not. Um, but I'm just doing this really delicate, interesting dance with cancer. Um, and uh, it's been extraordinary. It's, it's, it's been kind of a gift, as, as I'm sure you've heard from other people's stories you know i i just was one of those people that needed a big sort of hit on the head to really make a change so it was it was a gift it brought me right back to my my soul and my heart and my truth if there's someone who's listening yeah. right now who has has had a similar diagnosis 
and is considering yeah. going down the Western medicine path or trying it a different way, is there any is there any one particular thing that you would want to share with that person? Such a great question, Andras, and I appreciate your sensitivity around that. You know, it I haven't gotten that comfortable talking about it until the last few years because my for myself I just needed I needed to kind of wait, you know, uh, until I could say, okay, it's been ten years. I can I can I can kind of um, feel confident about the choices that I've made and um, and start sharing a little more. Okay, so a couple things come to mind. One is everybody's everybody's experience is going to be as unique as our as our fingerprints. Um, so I can only say for me and my um, my story, my experience is two things stick out. Number one, when I started to think a couple months into the diagnosis, when I started, I had a huge, you know, kind of um, these parted moment of um, realizing I was not my body and that, you know, the soul is eternal and made peace with death. In that moment, when I asked myself, you know, when I thought about this idea of fighting cancer, the fight against cancer and this, this fight, it just was not resonating with me. And um, I thought to myself, well, well if you're not going to fight the cancer. Why don't you love the cancer? And because um, I felt like fighting is what sort of manifested it in the first place. Um, and so deciding to love the cancer had its own nuances and, and specific uh, ways of what that looks like. Um, but I welcomed it in my body. I said, you're here for a reason. So let's, let's, uh, I'm open to what those, what you're here to teach me. And, um, and I did a lot of visualization and things like that. Um, and, uh, and I took responsibility for my part in manifesting it in the first place. And that's just, that's just my story. That's what I did. I felt that, um, I had made some really irresponsible choices in lifestyle, in relationships, and, um, and, uh, kind of abandoned my soul. Um, and so there was this fight going on in me physically, and it manifested in this thing called cancer and this inflammation in my body. My body was pissed and saying, you're not, you're not really taking good care of me and you're not listening. Um, so when I, when I got quiet again and started to really listen to my heart again, it really, it very simply tells me to do things that are good for me. And um, as a result, you know, these bumps that were popping up all over my body started to go away. Wow. Well, congratulations. And it's, uh, <laughs> I'm you. sure it's, I mean, I can only imagine, but for anyone who is out there, you know, I've, I think we've all been, we've lived long enough in this life, we've been touched by cancer or for, yeah. whether it's close or or distant. And so, yeah, I think that the idea that uh, what the, your story is definitely an inspirational one. And um, 
I'm again. I could. I. I, I could really. There's. A, there's plenty of other questions. I'm so. Okay. I, I got one more before we get to your question, <laughs> which is: Is there? Okay. Do you have any? When you say that you decided to love the cancer, like the first thing yeah. that. I don't know. I just the way my mind works. I just had this idea of you like like throwing a birthday party, like throwing a birthday party for your cancer, like <laughs> on the day of the diagnosis, like giving it, giving your cancer presents. And but what what would be an example of loving, like of the, a way that you demonstrated loving your cancer? Um. So this is when you know it, it could sound a little. Like just a little you, out there. But you're on a synchronicity podcast, I so I think you're okay. You're on a synchronicity podcast where we answer questions by picking songs at random. I think you can go a little right, right. woo-woo for us. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I literally um, talk to it. I would, I would, um, I would talk to it and, and say, you are welcome here and um, I'm holding you. I'm and I would I would literally um, pretty much what I had already described. I just had a very loving, respectful conversation with it Got and it. welcomed it in my body as opposed to fighting it, thinking that it was an enemy, um, feeling like a victim to it, um, angry that it was there, all the opposite of that. You know, just like you're here. Let 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 me hold you. Let me listen to you. The things that you do would would do to love a child. Hold it. Listen to it. Talk to it. See what it needs. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that that sort of like your cancer was your training for parenthood. I would. Yeah, I would. I I've thought about that. Yeah, too. And, you know, just to go to the next level of it, you know, I, I used to think that the cancer, I used to say, and I think I've even said it in this interview, the cancer brought me back to my soul. But what the cancer did was it, it brought me back to um, the divine part of my being. It, it made listening to the divine part of my being more important and really important again. And so it was that part of my being that told me to love and hold the cancer, that there was no way I was going to heal it by fighting it or getting angry about it. That was just going to make it worse. That makes sense? Totally. Totally. Oh. Cool. Well, uh, now let's, let's, let's get into this pop oracle divination format. What is your question for the pop oracle of oh my Hispanics music? Gosh. Andros, I mean, I've literally been thinking about this uh, for as long as I've known I was going to do this interview. I'm so terrible at that. A, I kept going blank. I'm like, I can't think of a question. Number two, you know, um, and then I asked my kids if they had any questions. <laughs> One of them said, um, how did Diana Ross get Dorothy's outfit? Okay. Um, so that's one question. Another one that came to mind was, what would a dinner with Johnny Cash and Jesus Christ be like? Okay. That's that's yours. That's your other? Or is that... Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I could say I totally relate. I have to ask a question before everyone, every show. 
and it is uh, it's it's misery thinking of it. Mm, it kind of is. It's yeah. really it's really especially I guess um, I think also like if you live a synchronistic life. You yes. sort of get in the idea of like I'm I'm I kind of want to know I want the universe to tell me what my question yeah. is, which is why now when I ask my question, I usually just start rambling and telling a story until I hit upon something that feels like the question that's that's there for me. But right. of those two questions, and now we're going to get answers from. I mean, in a way, the song will end up answering both questions. But is there cool. one that you want to lean into? Or do you want to flip a coin to see which one we do? Let's flip a coin. Okay. Do you have a coin? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so if it's uh, if it's heads, we'll go with the Diana Ross question. If it's tails, we'll go with the Johnny Cash question. Okay. Perfect. So Perfect. I'm gonna flip it, and I'll let uh, I'll let Rudy tell tell us which what the answer is. It's gonna be heads. See, what is it is it heads or tails? Tails. Tails. So we're going with the Johnny Cash question. What would it be like to have dinner with Johnny Cash and Jesus? That assumes that they are not one and the same. So, anyway, (laughs) so now to engage the Pop Oracle, on your behalf, Rudy of Kispanic is going to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a kick, 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 kick. Song number six, one of the English language songs in our set, I believe, and it is song a song called "I Care for You Too." Hmm. So now, here's a song from Hispanic. my phone, you're so concerned about my situation, and you offer me the finest thing so I can feel like everybody else, thank you so much, so I'm in debt and I don't care, cause look at me, I'm the new sensation, so I guess you're right, I should buy more, so everyone keeps thinking I'm the boss. So you can take all of my blood and my soul I know you care for me while I care for you too My whole direction So I should pay more And ask the floor So I can get my life back once again Thank you so much Have no time, have no life Can't enjoy the fruits of all the labor But it all makes sense In this big house With this big car And this big lonely heart So you can take all of my
was I Care For You Too from Hispanic. Now, these are all, band- when you hear them with the on the record, this is with a full band. This is a rock song. I can, I'm so curious to hear what that song sounds like in its original, in its true form, but I also am psyched to hear it here in that in acoustic form. That was a beautiful rendition. And that was the answer to Quincy Coleman's question. Quincy Coleman's question. That's a fun sentence to say. Uh, about... Uh, what would it be like to have dinner? Did you say dinner? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dinner with Johnny Cash and Jesus. <laughs> I think you mean Jesus Christ, right? You're talking about <laughs> the savior, the guy, the, the purported savior of mankind. So, yeah. so uh, before we get into interpreting it, let's go to the songwriter, Rudy. Tell us a little bit about the background of the song and if you have any ideas about how it answers that question. Uh, well, Jesus cares for you, so mm-hmm. I guess that's related. Okay. I don't know about Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lyrics are basically talking about consumerism in in society. It's, it's, it's the story of a character that um, just gets addicted to buying and, and how he gets promotions and advertising everywhere and publicity and he's tired and he wants to leave all this and he wants to, that, that he start having a conversation with consumerism as, as it was a person and mm. he tells him, just leave, I want you to leave, forget me, forget me, I, I want you to cry, you know, I, I don't want to... And, and then since they're always caring about you, he says, well, mm-hmm. I care for you too. Got it. And is there a particular reason why you chose to do this song in English as opposed to Spanish? Uh, I think it's a big problem in this country. I think English suited better the issue 
Right. Yeah, not that we don't have the same problem, but I don't know. I thought, it, and also, as I told you before, for musical reasons, I think it sounds good in English. Yeah, it sounds great. I love that riff. Nice. Oh, yeah, so wonderful. And so, Quincy, what did you think about that as the answer to your Johnny Cash, Jesus Christ question? Um, sort of marinating in it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to parallel or, or find the metaphor and the addiction um, of either one of their stories, and certainly there was some addiction for Johnny Cash, right? Am I correct about that? Certainly, if the if the movie Walk the Line is to be believed, yes. yeah. Let's say, sure, uh-huh. why not? What's that? Sure, why not? Why why would why would someone pretend that that was the case? Yes, let's. I think we. Yeah, I think yeah. that's well established. Yeah, I mean, and then the line that just stuck out when I was listening that I thought was interesting. You can take all my blood. Um, of course, I'm just like thinking of the image of of Jesus um, at the crucifixion, which was kind of interesting. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how it exactly addresses having dinner with the two of them. What were your thoughts? Well, I well, first of all, did you intend to have? Did you pick them both because they have the same initials? <laughs> no, I picked Johnny Cash because I I just um, posted on social media today a version of "I Walk the Line" that I did for a Lullaby record because this is the day May first, nineteen fifty six, I believe, is when "I Walk the Line" was released. So I had Johnny on my mind. Got it. And then, yeah, I just, of course, thought that could be an interesting duo to conceptualize what that would be like. Wow, so Walk the Line came out on International Workers' Day. Interesting. Right. Right, May Day. So, which also has its own sort of uh, pagan resonance as well. Mm. Um. So, well, so, yeah, so in, in, the, in the realm of, for people who work with synchronicity, when things share the same initials, they are often read, they can be read as analogous. So whether or not you intended it to, you sort of said, what would it be like to be having, having dinner with two different versions of the JC archetype? Uh, mm-hmm. And Johnny Cash is the man in black, so it's almost like mm-hmm. a, it's almost like a yin yang symbol of Christianity, right? You have the 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 man in the white robes and the man in the man in black, and then they're together, right. both resonating with this concept of whatever the you know whatever the 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 Christ archetype is for whoever is I guess having dinner with them, um, mm-hmm. and then. So I and I thought it was interesting when they, when they, uh, well, again I was thinking of them singing to you at the end or singing to whoever this person is who's having dinner with them. I want you to leave, forget me, forget me. I want you to cry, to miss me, to miss me. Which is mm. there. That's a contradictory thing. Like I want you to forget me, but I also want you to miss me. It's a very. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a. You know. To say that to someone, Rudy, is is a little bit confusing. Like, go away, come here, go away, come here. Well, that's, that's how they have us. <laughs> right, exactly. <clears throat> so, 
So, but I, and I think that there's, so I think that it would probably, if it would, it would be, there would be something that would be contradictory if you were having dinner with them. Like part of it would be saying, I think maybe they're, they'd be saying, why are you focused on hanging out with, both of us were dead. You why aren't you why aren't you hanging out with the living? Why would you you know why would you want to have mm. dinner with us? Forget us. Mm. You know we're we're done. Mm. Um, so that those were those I guess those were the. But then at the same time they're saying, well the, maybe the reason that you're asking this question is because you miss us. So we'd like for you yeah, to forget us, but we get that you well, miss us, and so pass the beans. I guess what would yeah. you what would you serve? To Johnny Cash and Jesus Christ. Yeah, Rudy. Me? Um, I don't know. Like, I guess a salad for Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. He, <laughs> he, he probably would eat salad. Yeah. He brings his own wine. So I don't need to. <laughs> right. uh, Johnny Cash uh, pasta, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He looks like that. He looks like he needs some carbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to have that big old body around. Uh, what about you, Quincy? What would you What would you serve? To cash I think Mexican food. Mexican food? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, well, yeah. like, you have a particular. Chips you know, like, and salsa, tacos. Veggie, probably, for salad. again, for, for Jesus, he'd probably be vegetarian. Probably. You, you I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so, right? I think they were rocking the fish and. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, yeah. Sushi. And, you know, sacrificing <laughs> the lambs and. Yeah. Okay, so not so the compassion wasn't entirely universal. It was just for humans. <laughs> and now, even though it wasn't the question, let's just think for a second about that earlier question. Now, I didn't even really understand it. How did Diana Ross get Dorothy's dress? Are you saying that Diana Ross owns Judy Garland's? Dorothy's, Dorothy's suit. Um, so somehow... My child has it in mind that Diana Ross has played Dorothy. She has. That, but I, Okay, so she did. Is that The Wiz? In The Wiz, yeah. Okay. Well, then that's where it comes from. Oh, okay. So, actually, I guess I'm kind of glad we got the second question. Yeah, me too. It seems like it might. It, it was more appropriate. The synchronicity really worked on that one. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you so much, Andras, and I really loved, I loved hearing the song. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio 8 Ball Show.